Oh, My Days of Mercy. It's not good, but it has great sex scenes. Welcome to Oh, I Like That, a podcast about things we like and occasionally things we don't. I'm Rachel Wilkerson-Miller. And I'm Sally Tamarkin. Rachel. Sally. (laughs) (laughs) What is the vibe this morning? The vibe is so tired. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're simultaneously both very, very sleepy. Yeah. uh, What's the cause of your sleepy morning? My cat, Miles is a bit of an agent of chaos generally. But in particular, he has reverted to a behavior that he has not exhibited since we first adopted him like a couple of years ago, which is he 3 a.m. is like time to just come on upstairs to the bedroom and Oof. like manically rub his head and just <laughs> just generally demand attention and also at 5 a.m. So he has two shifts. Nice. Okay. So he's been doing that quite a bit lately. And I initially solved the problem by just like, if you ignore, I would ignore him and he would eventually Mm -hmm. be like, well, I'm not getting what I want. I'm going to just like stop coming up here at three in the morning. That has not worked this time. So Mm -hmm. I'm feeling sort of sleep deprived in a, in an ongoing way to the point where I'm feeling a little bit, it's hard to, for example, call up words. I wanted to say that Mm -hmm. in a different way, but I couldn't think of a better way to say it. (laughs) Um, Tell me about your tiredness. Well, similarly, I have a pet who is off schedule. So it seems like something's going on right now. I'm going to have to like check with a, I feel like a pet astrologer might have some insight into what's (laughs) going on right now. But Chuck has been recently waking up at like between three and five in the morning and barking to be let out of his crate. And he is not a barker period. So this started a couple weeks ago after he had had a urinary tract infection. And so it seemed like maybe it was related to like the stuff with that, like he'd gotten on schedule. We finally got it kind of like back under control through a lot of trial and error after a lot of really sleepy mornings. And then this morning at 5 a.m., he started it up again. And I'm looking at him now. He is curled up (laughs) snoozing peacefully. And I'm just like, why now? Like You had the whole night to do this. Not a care in the world. Uh uh-uh. uh. So that is rude of him. And it's a really annoying thing to have happen on a Friday morning when we've got a good episode planned. I, I wanted to be a bit more energetic. Although I think we I think we might be hitting that like giddy point of tiredness that'll carry us through the episode. Yeah, so we're just we're fingers gonna, crossed. Yeah, we'll just be so punchy. It'll be fine. I yeah. have two things to say. One, Mercury in petrograde. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And the second (laughs) – that's only funny for the reasons that we've (laughs) already established. And the second thing I have to say is a buddy comedy, Chuck and Miles, Mm -hmm, which already mm -hmm. has a really nice ring to it. Yep. And it's a dog and a cat. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. What are they doing? Are they driving cross country? Are they – like, I don't – is it a – is it – no, I don't think it's a rom com. I think it's like a. Mm-mm. I think it's no. Just, I think they're. I think it's hijinks. I hijinks. think it's. Yeah, they get caught up in a heist or something. Yeah, they, they accidentally yeah. become part. They they accidentally participate in the heist. Yeah, because they're up at three o'clock in the morning, and what happens at three o'clock in the morning? <laughs> heist. Crime. So yeah, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to kickstart this movie. Please mm-hmm. follow us on Kickstarter for updates. <laughs> <laughs>
So we are going to talk more about Pride. It's Pride Month. And this is still Pride Month. It's still Pride Month. And, you know, last time we did our sort of like caution all ye who enter here Mm -hmm. episode about Pride. And now we're Mm -hmm. doing the like sort of queer stuff we love episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we got kind of the like heavier stuff out of the way. And now we can just enjoy and talk about queer art and other queer things we love. Heck yeah. Okay. So for our main segment, we're going to talk about movies. I'm going to kick it off with two movies that we both watched recently that we both have a lot to say about and that feel related in some strange way. So the first is Showgirls, which is sort of like I can't totally explain its inclusion on this list (laughs) because it's like – well, I will say that like in the movie listing, when you look it up, it says like thriller, comma, gay slash lesbian, (laughs) (laughs) which is like technically true. I feel like thriller is also technically. That's true technically. (laughs) Technically. So like it is debatable exactly how gay slash lesbian this movie is. However, it is like so campy and so – I actually think it makes sense if you sort of pretend all of the main characters are drag queens. Like it makes a bit – it would like – it. actually that would probably make for a better movie. So to back up, like I don't – I've been wanting to watch it because I've never seen it and it gets referenced a lot. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know anything really about it except that Elizabeth Berkley was in it. Mm -hmm. So we decided to watch it one Friday night. It is definitely the worst movie ever made. (laughs) Like hands down. It's so bad. It's so bad that there's another documentary – made about it called You Don't Know Me, which I highly recommend after watching it, that like seeks to understand it, which is what you need after watching this movie. It is so over the top, so unhinged, like <laughs> like it just and like really, really high production value, absolutely garbage dialogue. There was a point we were watching it and it was like getting on a roller coaster that like goes really fast right out of the gate. Like it just it goes – it's so much – there was a point when my girlfriend was like, we're only seven minutes into this movie. I have to say the seven-minute mark is definitely – There's something about it. It's, yeah. it's when everyone looks at their watch and is like, has this only been going on for seven minutes? Yeah. Because also in the documentary, You Don't Know Me, they reference seven minutes It's in. really funny. Yeah, and, and like I did too. I texted yeah. you guys when I watched it because you, you mm-hmm. recommended it. Mm-hmm. I watched it and I kind of live texted. And when uh-huh. I was about seven minutes in – there's just a string of things that happen and you're like, how am I only seven? How can they sustain this pace? But I'm here to <laughs> tell you. two hours? I'm here to tell you. They sustain the pace. Oh my gosh. So much happens. I like, I don't want to give up too much away, but like there was a point, like, I don't know, 30 minutes in where I was like, what is this movie about? Like, where are we going with this? <laughs> it is just so, it's so bizarre. And like the, the kind of core thing hinges on Elizabeth Berkeley's as Nomi, her dancing, which they like want you to believe is the most incredible thing in the world. Like she's some kind of savant. And I just kept being like, is this like, are we supposed to think she's a good dancer? It reminded me a bit of the Chris Farley Chippendale sketch on SNL, (laughs) (laughs) except he was a, he's a better dancer, but like it has that energy where he's just like feeling himself and everybody's like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. Like that's how they're treating her. And it's like, this is not this is not good dancing, but what do I know? But the movie is just outrageous. The dialogue is so bad. There's all these weird motifs. The way Elizabeth Berkley moves around, she like sprints everywhere, like limbs flailing. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of scenes that are intended to be horny that could not be (laughs) 
further from that. Like there were also multiple times when my girlfriend and I just like sort of spontaneously were like, I feel sick to my stomach. <laughs> like there's just something about this movie that is slightly nauseating. Again, I highly recommend it. I really think everyone should watch it. <laughs> like this is not to say don't watch it. It's just to say if you're having these experiences while watching it, it's not you. <laughs> also, the thing that was killing me during the the documentary about it is all the people who are kind of framing it as like these critics just couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle how turned on they got watching this. It was too hot for them. And I'm like, that's not what it was. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just simply not. And like now they're trying to reframe it as like, or some people are trying to reframe it as this, this director knew exactly what he was doing, making this into like, it was supposed to be this way. And I, I'm like, no, he thought this was going to be like an incredible good movie. Like he was swinging for the fences with this and totally failed at it. That there's no <laughs> there's no argument on that and I I'm sort of annoyed that they're trying to reframe it that way. But in any case, I highly recommend it. I just recently ordered a t-shirt with Gina Gershon's character Crystal Connors in Showgirls on the t-shirt. It's one of my Pride 2021 pieces of apparel. Gina Gershon is also in Bound, which we're going to talk about in a minute, which Sally introduced me to. But before we do, Sally, what are your thoughts on Showgirls? Well, Showgirls, I'm really, really glad that you guys recommended it because it was such an experience to <laughs> to watch. It it feels like an experience. It does. When I was telling Andrea, my partner, about it, I was like, all you need to know is that it is from the demented mind of Paul Verhoeven, the director, who does these really like, you know, he did, he directed Total Recall and Starship Troopers, which we just watched for the first time, which is amazing. But like, also so fucking over the top. Mm. RoboCop similarly and like I've I am not like a cinephile and so I, I don't want anyone to think I think that I am. But <laughs> my one observation is that I feel like the the movies I've seen of Paul Verhoeven sit in this weird space of like is it really bad or is it really good and also mm. is is this intentional or is it not? Mm. And I have to say that Showgirls de definitely departs for me from like Total Recall and Starship Troopers in the sense that when you watch those movies, you're like, this is some really over the top shit, but that was obviously what was intended. With Showgirls, I do think that the over the topness is intended. I mean, there's no way Elizabeth Berkeley would act the way she's acting unless no, someone was telling her to act that way. Right, right, right. <laughs> but at the same time, I do think that like, I, I felt like when I was watching the documentary, You Don't Know Me, I felt like there was definitely some like historical revisionism going on mm -hmm. around like the extent to which Paul Verhoeven was like aiming for like satire. I mean, mm -hmm. that is his thing. That is what he does. He's, you know, he does things in a huge campy way in a very, it's like gonzo. And mm -hmm. that's like, in that is the satire. But I just, I don't think it like, really landed in Showgirls <laughs> and the way it landed for me with like other movies. It might be in part because Elizabeth Berkley maybe can't pull that off. I, I think every other actress in Hollywood turned this down. Like they went to Angelina Jolie and Charlize Theron. Like they went for the big, you know, the A-listers and none of them would do it, which I think was makes sense. And so I do think maybe in somebody else's hands, it would have been different. But I think she is just... Like, she gives a pretty similar performance to the iconic Saved by the Bell, I'm so excited moment. Like, that is what she's bringing to this movie. And that's not a good thing. Like, that's not good <laughs> acting. It's not. It doesn't really work. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 feel, I feel slightly more oriented towards the 
people in the documentary than you do. Like I, yeah. I, I feel like there's something to what they're talking about, even though I don't mm. fully buy it. So I think I'm like a little bit more on the like, like this was trying to do something and it, I think it was trying to do something, but the point, the point I is, believe that. I can believe that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's unclear, but I think that's sort mm-hmm. of part of the charm. And also this is, is a great time to transition talking about Gina Gershon, who is like not queer identified, it seems, but like plays queer characters so authentically and convincingly that it's <laughs> and like so often <laughs> and so and, uh, not, right and also so frequently <laughs> that mm-hmm. it's like it's very hard to wrap one's mind around that but yeah this is a perfect time to talk about bound which stars Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly and it came out in 1995 or 1996 I want to say I think so Let's yeah 1996 yeah yeah so bound was written and directed by the Wachowskis and it was their first film it was like their debut film. It's, it also has Joe Pantoliano, who is one of my favorite actors, Joey Pants. <laughs> and it's very like, I actually saw this in the theater, I remember. I guess I, w- I would have been 1996, 15 or 16. And it's it's like a noir, mm-hmm. I would say. And I think that this, this is one of those movies that like, it's very like it, it's very like stylized. Like mm-hmm. th- there are a lot of very specific choices being made because I, I remember that when I saw it when I was 16, I thought it was like cheesy. And when mm-hmm. I watched it as an adult, I was like, oh no, this is like trying to be a noir movie. Yeah. It's they they hired a queer sex educator to choreograph the sex scenes, which are great. Mm-hmm. Great sex scenes. <laughs> and the other thing about this that like really left a mark on me is that like when I was like a teenager and like and in my early 20s like the big thing about being a queer woman in my world I'm only speaking for like my little orbit was like the butch femme dynamic like who's butch and who's femme like what kind of a lesbian Mm -hmm. are you gonna be and this movie really leans into but also I think like subverts a lot of like expectations around gender roles and queer relationships and like butch and femme identities mm-hmm. and stuff. And I really, really love it and appreciate it for those reasons. You recently watched it for the first time, Rachel. What did mm-hmm. you think? I thought it was great. Like within the first five minutes, I was like, I see what you're doing. I'm into it. It's really, really good. I wouldn't call it campy. It's like a shade to, the, you know, a little bit to the left of campy mm-hmm. in, in a good way. I think noir is exactly it. It feels like when I saw that, I was like, I think I understand what Showgirls was trying to mm. do now because it, the, again, they've got Gina Grishana is in both of these movies and they feel sort of like of a kind, but one is just so well executed and the other is not. Bound is really fun. It is more of a thriller. Chris Maloney makes an appearance in it. So that's always a nice mm-hmm. bonus. That's right. Um, I forgot about him. Yeah. Just like wholly enjoyed it. I, I'm so glad you recommended it. It was a perfect follow-up to, to Showgirl. So yeah, highly – like such a good rack. Highly recommend it as uh, – as, I mean – any viewing, pride viewing, anytime viewing, queer viewing, straight viewing. Like it's just a good movie. Yeah. It's, it's just so, so good. Definitely. I have a couple of other – movies to mention. And I'm not sure if you've if these are familiar to you, so you can like weigh in as I don't you. think I've seen all of these. So yeah. Okay. I'm excited to hear. Okay. So the incredibly true adventures of two girls in love. You're gonna notice that like a lot of my movies are from like the mid nineties and early late nineties and early two thousands because that's when I was like 
first of all, that was like kind of the like indie movie boom when like mm-hmm. indie movies kind of like became a thing and everyone was like, and indie movies are amazing. Parker Posey's in them. <laughs> I Man, discovering Parker Posey when I was in high school and like feeling like I was the only one who knew she, who she was was like a big moment. I was at my high school, but uh, not in the world. No, but like now when I see her in anything, I mm-hmm. it feels like a big moment. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think she's actually in any of the movies I'm about to talk about. But <laughs> <laughs> Incredibly True Adventures of Two Girls in Love came out in 1995. And it stars Laurel Holloman, who plays Tina in The L Word. Okay. And Nicole Ari Parker, who I don't think I've seen in other things. And it's it's about these two young women in high school. One is kind of from like a – it is like a, a real like tomboy and from – a working class background. She's been sort of like disowned by her religious parents and she mm. lives with her queer aunt, her and her aunt's partner. And she falls in love with like someone she goes to school with who's from mm. a much more like kind of refined background. Mm. And mm. it's just about them. It's just about them like meeting and falling in love and dealing with the, the shit with their families, which is like not really about the fact it it for one of them it's kind of about the fact that she's dating another woman but it, it's it's just about all it's also about like class and you know high school kids getting in trouble for like breaking high school kid rules and stuff like mm-hmm. that and it's just really really charming and it has a lot of heart and again like this is a movie from the mid 90s that had a $250,000 budget. So it's like, this is some low budget shit and you're mm-hmm. not, it's not going to be <laughs> like polished and stuff like that, but it's so good. It's so, so, so good. And I highly recommend it. Speaking of not polished and so good is a movie called The Watermelon Woman, which came out in 1996. And I first saw this, I think in like a women's studies class in college. It's written and directed by Cheryl Dunya. I'm not actually sure I'm saying her last name right I think it was maybe her debut film and it's like I think that it's like considered a pretty important movie in like queer cinema again Mm -hmm. like really really low budget and the filmmaker plays herself or she plays a version of herself okay and she she's a black lesbian and she works in a video store and she's making a movie about she's she's making a documentary about a black actress from the 1930s who goes uncredited in various movies or, mm. or she's credited as the watermelon woman and she's mm. she plays a stereotypical mammy roles and this movie is just the filmmaker that Cheryl li- living her life she has this awesome best friend that she works in the video store with she starts dating this woman it takes place in Philadelphia she you see her interact with like her mother and throughout her you know, seeing kind of what's going on with her life, you also watch her try to understand the life of this black actress who was like very prolific but didn't really get credited. And it's about like race and sexuality and kind of class and about like I th- I think if I was a film studies student, I would also have like more intelligent things to say about how this movie looks at like the roles of black queer women in film and in filmmaking. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, I was watching and I was like, I think this is probably very deep on that mm-hmm. account. <laughs> but I think you have to know a little bit more about filmmaking to like fully get it. Anyway, the point is it's really, really worth watching. I think it's you can watch it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, The Watermelon Woman. Really, really good. That's a great rack. I haven't heard of either of these movies, so I'm excited to check them out. I'm really bringing my like 42-year-old – 
came out in the mid-90s, bona fides here. Okay, Saving Face is from 2004. I feel like this is also another classic of like queer cinema. It was written and directed by Alice Wu. And the main character is Wilhelmina, who goes by Will. She is a surgeon. She's queer. And she's Chinese-American. And the movie is like kind of bilingual. It's like kind of in English Mm. and Mandarin. All the actors either spoke Mandarin or took like intensive Mandarin classes Mm. in order to do the movie. So it's about Will, who's this surgeon and meeting or kind of like re-encountering a friend from childhood named Vivian, who's a dancer. This is like straight up a rom-com. And it's it's like also mm. about Will's relationship with her mother. And I won't really spoil what happens, but like it's just like it's it's a delightful rom-com. And it's and it's like I it's very rare to see like a movie that focuses on like queer people who aren't white. You know what yeah. I mean? And mm-hmm. this is like very much about I I think it's not autobiographical per se, but I think it mm-hmm. is like from what I've read Alice Wu the director sort of like thinking about and exploring being Chinese American and being queer and relationships with like parents and stuff like that and it's just like it's great. It's a rom-com. I mean, it's like not there uh, nowadays. What more, yeah. what more can you want? I mean, <laughs> I feel like nowadays a lot of queer movies are very like quiet and slow with like people in period mm. costumes like reaching for yeah. each other. And <laughs> <laughs> I long for the days of Saving Face and also Incredibly True Adventure of Two Girls in Love, which is like also kind of a rom-com and just like light and delightful. Mm-hmm. Also speaking of, I can't believe you didn't mention But I'm a Cheerleader. You know, here's the thing. I love But I'm a Cheerleader. That is like I mean, there are so many movies that I try to really call my mm, list. Okay. I love But I'm a Cheerleader so much, but I've talked about it a lot recently. I went on this podcast mm. called Cult Classic Callback, and I talked about it like ad nauseum, and I've recommended it to a zillion people. You know, so I just decided to skip yeah, over yeah. it, but it's really good. Everyone should watch it. Okay. Yeah, we should link to that episode so people can listen. I, oh, yeah. It was top of mind because we're actually going to watch it tonight. <gasps> so yeah, I have haven't watched it in a couple of years. You, you yeah, I've seen it. We watched it a couple of years ago and yeah, we wanted to have a movie night. So that's what we're watching and I'm excited for it. I love that. Yeah, I, that's it's also great. kind of also a rom-com, I guess, kind of, sort of. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to cheat a little bit. The next thing on my list is not a movie per se. It's an episode of television, but it is totally self-contained and like I think functions as its own like – feature. Mm -hmm. You know, Rachel is like a great Mm -hmm. love and obsession of mine is the Mm -hmm. episode of Black Mirror called San Junipero, which brings together two, actually like three of my loves, the 1980s and the aesthetics of the 1980s, queer love stories and science fiction. Yeah, I have like a lot of merch from this episode. (laughs) This is one episode of the TV show Black Mirror. And Mm -hmm. I actually, I had a really interesting conversation, that brief conversation over text with your girlfriend about whether or not this is a sad, this is like a sad episode of TV mm-hmm. or not. And it was really interesting because I hadn't really thought of it as anything but not sad. Mm-hmm. But it is, I would call it kind of a happy sadness. Mm-hmm. But I will also say the conversation I had about this episode with your girlfriend got me thinking a lot about why it would maybe hit me differently and hit her differently. And it just got me thinking a lot about how when I was watching this episode, I felt like the cultural, like the milieu and like what was happening, at least in my little orbit of the United States around queerness and around whether or not it was okay to be gay 
was so much more similar to what I experienced as a younger person, a younger queer person, that for me, I found something really cathartic in in watching it. But it was really, it is, it is also sad. So it's, I don't know. Anyway, it's interesting to to think about and like how the how this different media hits us all differently. Because I think mm-hmm. I think that like the incredibly true adventures of two girls in love and saving face. And probably the watermelon woman will 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 seem like really dated in certain ways, but like mm-hmm. for me, they'll never feel dated because of how old I was when I watched them, and because of what they reflect about what was going on in the world at that time. So, mm-hmm. anyway, just like an interesting thing to think about when it comes to queer like media. Mm-hmm. Also, for anyone who doesn't watch Black Mirror, San Junipero, like every episode is completely contained, so you can just watch this episode without ever having watched anything else in Black Mirror. So if you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. It's a standalone episode that is absolutely worth watching. Yeah. And it's like also tonally like pretty different than the rest of Black Mirror. So completely different. Yeah. So if you've ever been like that show's not for me, um, San Junipero might not fit into that like understanding of what it's like. I would agree. Yeah. Okay. So the last thing on my list is the movie All Over Me, which came out in 1997. And I remember renting this very sheepishly from Tommy Kay's, the video store in New Haven, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And this is this is like a very it's it's a teen drama is what it is. And it's about this sort of like awkward introverted, but like very cool high school girl who like basically realizing she's queer. And mm-hmm. the soundtrack has like Ani DeFranco and Sleater Kinney mm-hmm. and Babes in Toyland. It's like it's all very indie and cool and punk rock. And I have to say that like I'm I'm recommending this without knowing if it holds up because this is one of the movies that I'm rec- like of all the movies on this list, I have not rewatched this recently. But I think that like anyone who I don't know if like this really is for any of our listeners now that I'm saying <laughs> it, but like an indie queer coming of age movie takes place in New York City and has a very like it has like a almost like a kids vibe that movie kids mm. there's just like mm-hmm. a lot of teenagers doing things that like for some reason in the 90s we were really interested in like <laughs> exploring <laughs> teens doing like that they are maybe mm-hmm. sort of like dangerous potentially self-destructive but ultimately like leading to self-discovery type of behaviors mm-hmm. just like a queer coming of age movie again low budget indie wilson cruz is in it oh and leisha haley who is also from the l word and plays alice is also in it Cole Hauser is in it, who you may recognize as like playing a bad guy in a lot of movies and like like in Too Fast, Too Furious. And uh hmm. I think he's in like American History X. You you remember <laughs> you remember him as, oh, that guy. <laughs> it's good and fun, asterisk. I haven't watched it in a long time. We've gone through all of my weird indie low budget movies from the 90s. Should we mm-hmm. kind of shift into the modern era? Yeah, let's do it. So one thing I wanted to talk about is the recent trend of period films where we've got, you know, two women gently touching the back of each other's hands (laughs) after an hour and 15 minutes of like eyes glances at each other. So in 2020, we got Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is beautifully shot. I went to see it at the theater with my girlfriend, one of our last outings before the Mm -hmm. pandemic. It's it's like a film, like a capital F film. <laughs> and it is really lovely and beautiful. And it is slow and quiet, but I found it very compelling. It's also 
subtitled, so that really keeps your attention. There's also Ammonite with Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan, which came out last year or maybe the beginning of this year. It came out during the pandemic because we like paid to watch it at home. It's it's like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but now we're going to put it in the UK. <laughs> it's also it's, – it's slower and I, I think Portrait of a Lady on Fire is like a little bit better because it's a – I don't I can't explain why because they're very similar, but I think it's a little more beautiful, a little bit more fun. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed both of them. But there is also The World to Come, which I haven't seen yet, but that is starring Vanessa Kirby, who is in The Crown. She plays Princess Margaret. And it, it feels very of a kind with these other movies. I guess I should also mention Brokeback Mountain, which is like mm. a slight departure from form, but we rewatched. I hadn't seen it since it came out in 2005 and we, we watched it in probably last year, end of last year. It's so fucking beautiful. Mm, like it's, it's so yeah. visually lovely. So yeah, I I take historical movies. I always kind of go into them nervously because I'm always bracing for like this being a barrier queers movie, mm-hmm. which you never really know when you're getting into it. And for anyone listening who doesn't know what that means, it's basically the trope of for years and I mean it still happens like the only way to allow queer media queer representation in media was like to have one of them get killed off at the end mm-hmm. like that was how especially it was really prominent with like pulp fiction that it one of the characters had to die to justify it so we can link out to a further explainer on that but that's what I'm always bracing for so I, I go into them nervously and find that I can't relax during them but have been pleasantly surprised as of late in watching these movies. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, as we've been talking about these movies, one of the things I want to do is like say, don't watch this if you don't want like a tragic, sad ending where people are kept apart because they're queer. But I don't want to spoil anything. But right. I, I think that, that there should be some sort of app that tells you like, just without any spoilers, tells you if you're dealing with like a barrier barrier gaze or like just like this, this love story isn't going to work out because yeah. it takes place in the 19th century. Yeah. I just really quickly, I didn't put this on the list, but I want to say shout out to Fingersmith, which mm. is a period drama. It's a BBC, technically a miniseries, but I think of it as like a movie in like two or three, two or three parts. It's with Sally Hawkins and Imelda Staunton. And I, I love it. And we will talk in another episode about like, it's based on a Sarah Waters novel and she writes really queer stuff. So we'll, we'll talk about that later. But like, I, I wanted to mention it because it is a period piece but they they do more than yearn baby um and it and it's just it's nice. yeah and it's it's also just really good definitely not as modern as the movies we're talking about now but like anyway you should watch it yeah i will also say before we wrap up on the historical queerness bit there was a really funny recent snl sketch that we will add in the show notes that was about this recent trope and it was very I went into it being like this is going to be whatever and then it was actually very funny and like really hit on it so if you've seen any of these movies this is a a delight that will make you laugh totally okay so next up another like queers in history selection is the movie Carol which stars Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara and it is based on the novel The Price of Salt by Patricia Highsmith And this came out in 2015. And again, I would say like just really beautiful to look at. Like sumptuous. Sumptuous, yeah. Just so beautiful. So super beautiful. I watched it again recently and I liked it even more. I think that like Kate Blanchett is just doing something really interesting with the character Carol. Which also Kate Blanchett is another one like Gina Gershon who like plays these characters so authentically, so convincingly. I had a moment like, Last year, I think after watching 
Ocean's 8 maybe or Carol again that I, I found out she's not gay and I was just like, oh, huh. I just like took it for granted. So that was news to me. I don't know if it's news to anyone else. Yeah, it, it definitely – she's someone who often shows up on the Every Lesbian and Their Fashion Instagram mm-hmm. account because I, I just feel <laughs> like she's just been sort of accepted. Like that. Right. this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I just – I think it's like a really beautiful film and it captures a lot of things about the 1950s that seemed like really sucked real bad. Mm-hmm. It's also a period piece that – spends less time in the yearning phase and it moves along a little quicker to get to the the fun parts. And so I appreciated that about it as well. It's also a Christmas movie. It's a beautiful Christmas movie. Yeah, it's um, a Christmas Also, movie. the reason you watched it recently is because you put it on my calendar like two years ago right. in the summer and you like put it on my calendar to what we were going to watch it at the end of the year. And like you put it in for January, like a calendar event to discuss Carol. I put it in years ago. Like I, I was like, yeah. you have to see this by – like 2019 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and so like I I just like four years into the future <laughs> put it on Rachel's calendar. And uh what did you know about me that I didn't know at that point? That's <laughs> a I really think it good was before. Holy shit, you're right. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, put this on your friends' calendars and see what happens in their lives. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's the the new the Carol clause. I don't know. It's a way clause. to make queer magic happen. I feel like I could spend a whole episode talking about like just yearning in queer movies, but I won't. No one no one wants that. What's next, Rachel? Well, I think this is a good transition into the modern era and a queer movie that we don't recommend or didn't <laughs> love, which is Happiest Season, which was on Hulu in the in November December of 2020, which stars Kristen Stewart and is a queer Christmas rom-com. And it's not good. It's really disappointing, and it sucks. I'm so I, I was so mad after watching it. Yeah, it's like it. It's makes me feel angry. Like I yeah. I don't want this to be in the like the queer canon, which is too bad right. because it is directed by Clea Duvall, who I love. She she's wonderful. She's wonderful. She's been in a lot of queer stuff. She's in But I'm a Cheerleader, and I have like endless love and admiration for in my heart, although this was a toughie. It also mm-hmm. has Mackenzie Davis, who was in San Junipero. Mm-hmm. She, oh, and she was also in Terminator Dark Fate, which was real fucking queer also. She's another one who plays these roles a lot. Yeah. has nothing to say. It has Alison Brie. It has Aubrey Plaza, Mary Steenburgen, Daniel Levy. I mean, it has – I mean, the it's great cast. Powerful, powerful cast. But like, do you want to – do you want to talk about – like how it was bad? It was bad because the plot, this isn't spoiling anything, is that the one character, is it Abby who's taking her home? I can't remember their we'll, names. T- we'll never be able to remember. It doesn't matter. But the, the Mackenzie Davis character is taking Kristen Stewart home to meet Mackenzie's family for the holidays. And then on the way, she's like, by the way, I'm not out. They think you're my roommate. So like shitty setup. <laughs> and like <laughs> real hard to come back from that. And then like throughout, it just like, gets worse. It's just sort of in the way the Mackenzie character, Mackenzie Davis character treats the Kristen Stewart character and behaves. But then you have Aubrey Plaza, who is just like, just so like great in this movie, come in and you're like, okay, maybe she and Kristen Stewart are going to end up together. And like, this is the rom-com. If you don't want this spoiled, fast forward 20 seconds. Okay. 
you think maybe Aubrey Plaza, like you think that might be where it's going. They have a really cute date. They keep running into each other. Like that was the rom-com we deserve, mm-hmm. which is like these two people don't end up together. They both end up with people who are better for them ultimately. That is not what happens. They end up engaged. It's so bizarre. And it's a it's one of those movies where you're just like, I guess because we are desperate for representation, we'll take anything even this. And it, it really bummed me out. Well, I will add one thing. Mackenzie Davis's wig is like so <laughs> distractingly bad. And I don't know how, but that is symbolic of like how ill-fitting the whole entire movie is. Kristen Stewart is great in it though. She's great. And like a lot of great individual performances for sure, Absolutely. but just like yeah. wretched in every way. Okay. Yep. So that's one anti-recommendation for Pride Month. Mm -hmm. On a lighter and more fun note, though, a modern one that I really recommend is the Steven Universe movie, which is so lovely. It's a musical. The animation is beautiful. It is both like queer – like literally and also in spirit and vibe. Like, And the whole series is it's based on an animated series. I will say I hadn't seen the series before this. You don't need to. But it's just like really beautiful – queer characters and also like really beautiful themes about community and acceptance and boundaries and friendship and finding your people and like finding yourself like it's just a really lovely and wholesome film that like will make your brain light up because Mm. of the way it's animated that's awesome I can't wait to watch that I've I've watched the show a couple times and I've found it delightful but also have felt like I just it's not my thing like it I haven't felt compelled to continue so I think the movie is kind of the thing to do I went back and watched some of the show and they, they're they different the, in part because I think the movie just has a much bigger budget and so the animation is like incredible mm. compared to the show. But it's just like deeper. It's, it's just so much better. So I would say don't let your opinion of the show keep you from watching the movie. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. What do you got next? I'm going to recommend Moonlight, which came out in 2016. Just another really – I have a real soft spot in my heart I'm realizing right now for like coming of age – queer coming of mm-hmm. age movies. Mm-hmm. It is based on Terrell McCraney's play, which I think I think is like autobiographical or semi-autobiographical. Mm-hmm. And it is just a really beautiful movie. I would call this also like a capital F film. Mm-hmm. It's just a really beautiful movie. It follows this – well, it the, it follows this kid through his life. It starts out when he's little, maybe like 10 or something like that, and then follows him through like being a teenager and then into adulthood. And it's, you know, it's like kind of heartbreaking and also beautiful. And I remember seeing this in the theater and having that feeling of like, I'm watching something really special. Mm. You know, it's just a it's just a really beautiful movie where you're just really with this kid as he like tries to make sense of the world around him and tries to make sense of his place in the world around him and his sexuality. And if you want to have kind of like a not light movie night, I would say check out Moonlight for sure. It's it's really beautiful. Nice. You know, Sally, you mentioned coming of age movies. You might like the half of it, which is a Netflix original from 2020 that is just like a queer girl coming of age movie. Like I'm into it's, it. It's just that. And it's it's not like great art, but it's a nice one. I think you would be into it based on your interest, but also I would recommend it to like anyone who is a little younger and is maybe feeling like these 90s movies aren't for them, like a 2020 film. And I think also on that note, Love, Simon is a very sweet rom-com that is just, it's about teens. It's sweet. It's very like, it's it's about a boy and it's very like, I don't know. It's very like gay male sort of like, in the suburbs, I, I I don't know. I kind of like 
sanitized, I guess. Mm. But it's like it's very charming as rom-coms go and I liked it. And the side characters are great. I feel like they get more interior lives than they often do in, I don't know, anything. And one of the one of the girls who was in it just recently came out. Hey, so that was nice. Okay. Yeah, love to see it. It was a really I, I really enjoyed her coming out post. She was like, she's 28 or she came out at 28 and is talking about how like it's never too late. And yeah, it's just loving, loving that we get to claim her because she's awesome. That so, rules. I, yeah. I want to say just to bring things full circle, the half of it is directed by Alice Wu, who directed uh, ah. Saving Face. So okay. I love that. I love I yeah. love that Alice Wu is still making queer stuff. Yeah, that this all makes perfect sense. So now I like feel very strong in my recommendation for you personally, but also for anyone. It's it's nice that there's a good amount now that it's like we can have some that are better than others and we can have some that we don't like and you know. But this this one's just like good enough. Yeah, I have to say like <laughs> true true inclusion is having <laughs> really really bad movies and really mm-hmm. really good movies and being able to be like that movie sucked. Don't watch it. But here's a really good yep. one. Absolutely. All right. Any others? Just my last one. Just like a quick shout out to Mosquita y Mari, which came out in 2012. Another coming of age story about like these two girls who just become best friends. But one of them, it's like, it's like, are they, do they have crushes on each other or not? It's not, it's like, it's queer in the sense that like, there's like that subtext is there, but it it's, it's more about like, I think like something I relate to, which is like having having a friendship with another girl and being like, what is what is this? What mm-hmm. are these feelings? How do I understand them? And it's just like a sweet, a sweet coming of age movie. And I recommend it. Wonderful. Well, I think we have given everyone a lot of content to work with in terms of queer cinema for the rest of the year and mm-hmm. beyond. So mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty solid list. And if you have any you want to add, please, you know, write in, let us know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that pod at gmail.com. And in an upcoming episode, we will be talking about more queer things. I love it. I'm so excited we're doing this. Me too. We we ended up, we, th- we thought we were going to do one Pride episode and maybe it's just going to be a month of Pride episodes, which I'm really into. I think that's completely reasonable. All right. Well, that was a long one, but we got to do one more thing, a nice thing to end on. So what do you have, Sally? Well, I just want to say that like it is the return of like the kind of hangs that we would have before the pandemic, which is that me and my friend Lucas, who also edits this podcast. Hi, Lucas. We met up last... Well, I picked him up actually in my car. We were in a small enclosed contained space together because we were both vaccinated. I picked him up and we went to a game store in Philly and then we decided to take a little walk to get coffee and we popped into another store on our way and it was the most lovely hang. It felt very much like a thing you would do before the pandemic, which is just like it spontaneously walk into stores and decide to go get an iced coffee and browse a store together. And it was like just lovely and perfect, but also I feel like heralded similar hangs to come. And I've I've sort of been like living off of that energy ever since. Man, that's really nice. That's a good one. It was delightful. What is your yeah. nice thing to end on? My nice thing to end on is that I am getting a manicure tomorrow. And then I'm doing Pride events all weekend. And I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a good one. We've got good weather coming. And I'm excited to get my nails done. I got to pick a color, but I want it to be fun. Yeah. I don't know. This has been a great Pride month so far. I'm excited for 
the next few weekends. Man, I am so excited to hear about your weekend. I'm excited to see what color you pick. I just feel like there's there's just a lot of good queer stuff coming mm-hmm. coming both of our ways. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so thanks for listening to this episode of Oh, I Like That. Please rate us and review us. You can also follow us on Twitter at Oh, I Like That Pod, or you can follow the two of us. I'm at the underscore R-E-W-M, and Sally is at Sally T. And if you want to shoot us an email, it's Oh, I Like That Pod at gmail.com. Oh, I Like That is produced by Rachel and Sally and edited by Lucas. Amber Seeger, who is Rocket Orca on social media, designed our logo.